care what you heard. Don't care what you heard. I'm taking it all because I want the world. Yeah, I want the world. Yeah, I want the world. Alright, what's going on everybody? Today we have a very special guest with us. We have the amazing Scott Griffin of LA Guns and Sin City Rejects. Scott, thank you for joining us. Hey Kai, what's going on? How you doing, man? How has the quarantine been treating you? What have you been up to since then? Well, I'm sitting out in front of my pool right now, so I'm doing okay. I live in a, a building, so it's a public pool, but I'm the only one out here right now, so I have it all to myself. So before we get into everything, because yeah. you're uh, going to be releasing a new album soon. Yeah. Yeah, which we'll be talking about shortly. Um, how did you get into being a musician and doing everything you're doing now? Take us back, you know, to the beginning. Well, you know, that's funny you asked that because, uh, you know, Eddie Van Halen just died. And uh, right. so I've been, you know, he was he was the reason. I mean, to be short, uh, the short answer is that. And uh, the long answer is like, although I've been basically listening to Van Halen my whole entire life. So it's not like, oh, my God, he died and I'm starting to listen to all this Van Halen again. I just kind of. And listening to Van Halen, but it's like because I always do, you know. But it's mm -hmm. all—it's brought back a whole bunch of memories, and uh, I can remember the exact show I was watching. Not trying to date myself here, but there was no—you uh, know—there was no internet when I was a teenager. You know, MTV was kind of just starting out, but there there wasn't a lot of ways to see live bands unless you went to see live bands, you know. And right. uh, so I was still a kid. Uh, you know, too young to drive and stuff like that. So I'd never seen any rock concerts. I went to like a Joni Mitchell concert with my mom took me once and that was about it. So, uh, you know, I, Van Halen were going to be on this this rock show like on Saturday night or something. So, you know, I stayed up late and watched it. And that was the first time I really ever saw a real rock band playing. And I saw Eddie Van Halen. And I can remember the show. It's called Don Kirscher's Rock Concert. And it showed what I've come to know later, because I've seen it a billion times since then, from YouTube and everything. It's, it was three clips from this show in Sandy, uh, Sandy, Oakland. It was three songs from the Fair Warning album. And I was just transfixed. I was like, it was a David Lee Roth interview where he's dressed up like Napoleon Bonaparte. I was like, who are these crazy guys? You know, and it was like, I'd, I'd heard them before. And I'd seen some pictures, but... You know, you don't see them until you see them talking and rocking out on stage. And uh, the next day I woke up and I told my mom, I said, Mom, I want, a, I want an electric guitar. You know, I was already into rock. I had actually just, I'd been into rock. I wanted to play, I, I wanted to play drums originally. So mm -hmm. I begged my mom all the last of the year before for drums and everything. And I finally got drums for like a Christmas present. And it was just a few months later that I saw that, and I just didn't want to touch a drum set after I saw Eddie Van Halen, you know. So that's where I started. And then I played guitar, you know, throughout my teenage years, my 20s. And I, you know, I was in bands, but I didn't, I was just in, you know, little local bands from, I'm from Silmar, California, which is in Los Angeles. It's in the Valley. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, there was, I was just another kid in another rock band and uh, playing backyard parties and stuff. And it wasn't until I was like 19 or something before I actually played on the strip. I played the Roxy. That was the first gig I played. And then I played the Whiskey and then Gazaris and right before they closed. And I started playing all the different clubs. But we used to call it a 
industry uh, buzz, you know, none of those. I was never in a band like that. I was just in a just in any crappy band I could get in just to play the stage, you know. So um, right. I never made any money really at it and just kept playing. And it wasn't until years, a few years later, uh, someone asked me to play bass. I was like, yeah, I can play bass. I have a bass. You know, I, I, I bought a bass so I could record stuff at home and stuff. And then I remember playing the show, and then at the end of the show, I said, man, great show, man. You know, thanks for asking me. And he said, no problem. And he shook my hand, and he had money in it. <laughs> and it was like, oh, what, are you paying me for this? Because I, I never got paid for anything. I, and when I, when I started off playing, we had to pay to play. It was called pay to play. And to play on the strip, you had to pay big bucks, man, because, because there was such a scene there. You were guaranteed, especially if you're playing the weekend, you're guaranteed a sold-out house whether you sold tickets or not, you know, that was the lure. And it was usually around a thousand dollars or something. And if you have four or five guys in a band, it's about two fifty, two hundred dollars each. And we'd all just, you know, we'd have our shitty day jobs and we'd save up our money and we'd buy the tickets. We'd just go to the strip and basically we would just, we would just give the tickets to all the hot chicks because right. we, you know, we knew you bring one hot chick will bring at least two or three guys. So that was it. And we, more hot chicks we had at a concert, the better it looks for us. So, and we were always playing with like a band that was like, you know, a buzz band. We were like first or second on the bill or something like that. So we'd, you know, we'd be on the same bill as the bands, but it was fun. You know, it was totally worth it. It was like paying money for a party and, and, you know, paying for your promotion and stuff like that. So I had no problem with it. I mean, I know there was a big thing, yeah, but it was so big back then that I got to look at it from a business standpoint. If I'm a club and there's so there's a band that's willing to pay me to play my stage, what am I going to do? Say no, you know. So and then the scene died away, and they were still trying to pay to play. And that's when I said, I ain't going to play to pay to play. I'll pay to play if there's a packed house, but I'm not going to just pay to get up on a stage for like ten people or something like that. So I wasn't making any money. So you know, it wasn't until I was like in my late twenties. Uh, I started playing bass because I, I, I started, get, you know, people paid me for it. And it was kind of the music scene was kind of coming back around. Maybe that had something to do with it. But mm -hmm. so I kind of just switched to bass. I kind of, uh, I have no problem. I love playing bass, man. It, it, it made me love music in a whole different way again. You know, I had listened to all the bands that I love. I, I you know, by your, you know, late twenties, you're, you're pretty much set in your musical ways. And so I'd heard all every single Van Halen song. I'd heard every single Led Zeppelin song, every Kiss song, every Guns N' Roses song, you know? Uh, mm -hmm. And so I, there was nothing new for me to hear, I thought, until I started playing bass. And then I started learning all these songs on bass. And then I was like, oh, wow. I'm, now I'm like, now there's a whole bunch of new heroes I got now, you know, like, John Paul Jones or, you know, uh, Duff McKagan or, you know, I, I'd go, wow, I really like this guy's bass playing or this guy's bass playing and just started hearing the bass more, you know. So I played bass and that's how I ended up in LA Guns, pretty much. And then, uh, you know, but I was still a guitar player for, I mean, that's what I consider myself. That was the first instrument I ever really excelled at and really uh, put in the time and effort and played for years and years and years. And so it took me a while to come full circle and, you know, now I'm back in LA Guns and I'm the guitar player, not the bass player. So, so you know, some things you got to wait for and I have no problem with it. I had a good ride on the way here and, and now, you know, I just 
just finished up recording an album with them and you know it's dreams come true you know so i'm i'm, I'm hip on that so when did sin city rejects come in how did that happen well now sin city rejects came in well it's a lot of different things you know uh just kind of a lot of times things in my life happen not because of one thing happening but like a whole smorgasbord of things happening at one time and then i just uh, cause I just kind of like say yes to everything, you know, I, I found mm-hmm. that I, I get a lot more through life if I just, I'm, I'm a lot more, I regret saying no more often than I regretted saying yes. There's some things I've regretted saying yes to, of course, but I right. found personally in my life, if I had to choose between saying no all the time or saying yes all the time, I'd say yes all the time because it just it seems there's less regrets that way, but I'll probably die one day by saying yes to something. So, uh, but it'll be, it'll be fun up until that point, you know? Um, so, uh, so I moved out to Vegas and then I got kicked out of LA guns. And then I was, uh, playing this band called Sin City Sinners, which were a local still are, they're still, uh, it's a local band, uh, that had a couple original CDs out and do cover tunes and they're kind of the a big local band out here mm-hmm. and then so i played bass in that band and then um our manager uh we and him got on real well you know and we'd hang out and stuff like that and we we, we found we had a lot of same uh musical tastes you know we like punk rock a lot one thing i will say about like when i got into bass i made it a point to not go at bass as I did guitar. Guitar, I really studied it and everything. I You had to growing up in the 80s. I had to learn all these modes and Warren D. Martini stuff and all that kind of crazy shit. And then, uh, but bass, I just came in in kind of a punk rock kind of way. I just kind of just played just by ear, totally by ear. I didn't look at one bass player magazine or anything like that. And I wanted it that way. I wanted to like kind of be a, more of a punk style bass player. And so anyways, my whole point is Jason was into punk too. And what I really wanted to do, what I've always wanted to do was be a singer. I know I'm off in a million different directions. I start off on drums, then I play guitar. No, no, no. I'm saying about my life. I start off on drums, then I play guitar, (laughs) then I don't make any money at it. So I started playing bass. But now all of a sudden you're hearing that I originally wanted to sing. I mean, but I think everybody, that's their, probably their first instrument. They, they want to be a singer. You know, I remember seeing Elvis on TV and uh, I wanted to be a singer, but uh, I just realized I wasn't Elvis. You know, I think I taped myself when I was a little kid and got real embarrassed or something. So, <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. So, um, yeah. but then, you know, I could, I've, I did sing a bit, you know, I, I sang some songs in cover bands and stuff like that. So it wasn't like I couldn't sing. I just was never you know, Sebastian Bach or anything like that. So, yeah. uh, he, the man, my manager, Jason, he always wanted to put a band together and play. He says, I can play a little bass. And I said, well, you know, I can sing a little. And he said, that's perfect. Let's do a punk band. We don't want to be good. Let's get a really good guitar player, a really good drummer, so we can sound passable and then do our thing, man. You know, and then it started off that way. And then we were just doing covers and people liked it. And so... And then one thing led to the next, and then Jason calls me up and he goes, "Hey, you know what? I have lyric. I, I wrote some lyrics for Sin City Sinners before, and they used them. And you want to hear some? You know, maybe we can write some original music." So he sent me some lyrics, and I 
I started writing the music to it. And then since I was singing, I came up with the melodies and stuff like that. And uh, he had really cool lyrics and I was able to put some music together. So before you knew it, we're making an album. So uh, that's like another dream that, you know, came true. I mean, that's a dream from when I was a little, little, little type, you know, wanting to be Elvis or something like that. So, so why Vegas? Why Vegas? Why not, man? <laughs> just, I mean, I, I guess if I, if I moved to somewhere, you know, out in the middle of nowhere, you'd say why that, but, uh, Vegas is, even though now it's hard to, you know, you can't really talk about now exactly because of this whole COVID crap. Uh, yeah. But still, Vegas, although it's, you know, it's not as good as it was, but nothing ever is. It's still really the, the last place I can think of on earth. I'm sure there are a little other nooks and crannies, but where music, you know, live music and being a musician, you can make money out here. You can't make money in LA. I mean, I've been here for almost 10 years now. 10 years ago, there was no money to be made. I was in one cover band that we'd play every Friday at this little pub. And that was the only place we could find that would pay pay money. You know, we'd play the biggest stages in LA. You'd make no money unless you were like an international recording artist or something like that. But Well, I can't say. When, LA Guns, when, I, when we'd play at LA Guns, we'd play there once a year, we get paid. But, you know, maybe twice a year. And that's about it. But, you know, I always had other bands going on. I'm always like in five or 20 bands at one time. So <laughs> yeah. so the, I was making money, no money out of any of those. Out of here, I make money off of every band I'm in. Like I wouldn't, I wouldn't play in a band unless I was making money, unless it was for like charity or something. But, you know, I, I don't even think about that. And that's the attitude to have. You can't have that attitude in L.A. In L.A., it's always... Uh, you know, we'll just play here for a month, and then if you get a crowd, then we'll start paying you. It's like, what? No, pay me right now. Yeah. Make sure there's a crowd here, you know? So are you still doing Kiss This? Yeah, man. That was the first thing that went down, unfortunately, from the whole, you know, pandemic thing. I heard That's the first th- thing I remember going, wow, this is really screwed up, because we had a great thing going every week at the Rio and they said, man, we were, we're shutting down. And I thought they were like firing us, but they were going, no, we're <laughs> just, we're just shutting the place down. We still got instruments in there. They, cl- they, they, uh, locked it all up and everything. Our drummer still has his drums in there. You know, luckily he has a couple drum sets, but, uh, mm-hmm. he still has got to get drums out of there. We got a big, our big lighted kiss logo sign is in there. We don't have any way to get in there. So, um, it happened so suddenly. But yeah, once everything starts coming back to normal, we'll uh, we, uh, we should be playing out there again. I love playing in that. Awesome, man. So yeah. uh, you've been back in LA Guns for almost uh, two years now, right? I believe. Yeah. How does it feel to be back, and and uh, what all have you been doing with them since? I know that the album is coming, of course. Well, you know, we were supposed to be on tour. Uh, we had a whole bunch of dates set. And uh, I still have them in my calendar, and it, I, I keep them in because I just cry <laughs> when I look at them. And I just, yeah. as the day goes by, I delete them, you know. And I go, well, I would have been in, you know, Louisiana this week. I would have been, you know, New York this week or whatever. And uh, so, yeah, we had a whole bunch of dates going, so nothing's going on, just like everybody else. We played our, our initial gig was um, early last year. 
at the M3 Festival in Maryland. That was like our, you know, our we had to prove ourselves kind of gig. You know, no, a lot of people didn't know what to think. There's a lot of people who were like laughing at us, say, saying this is a joke. It's never going to happen. And uh, we uh, we pulled it off. We, we got a ton of fans from that show. And uh, and then uh, we were going to play again this year, but the COVID shit happened. And so, uh, but luckily we got so much traction just off that one gig and we played a, we played a couple other gigs we played out here um that was earlier this year i believe you know it was kind of like we just did m3 i think the m3 thing was just we were just going to play this one show and then we gave it a few months and then we saw that there was you know interest a record company was there a golden robot records and they got interested said we want to sign you guys you know we know you guys can play we know you guys have great songs and so we'll we know you guys can write so we spent the end of last year probably like right around this time sending each other song ideas or songs that we already had written that weren't you know recorded or or any no copyright problems or anything like that and it's kind of weird because we are literally all over the country i'm in vegas Steve Riley, the drummer, is in L.A. Kelly Nichols, the bass player, is in New York. And Kurt Frolic, our singer, is in Florida. So we got two guys on the West Coast, two guys on the East Coast. So there's no way we could get together all the time and, you know, rehearse and in person and stuff like that. So we just sent each other demos of stuff that we had. And then we'd, you know, go back and forth and get lyrics onto them. And Kurt did a lot of the lyrics, that, you know, for stuff that didn't have lyrics i think kurt just wrote all the lyrics for the stuff that wasn't already recorded and then um and we got like enough songs together and then we set up a recording date in la got there about three days prior so that we could rehearse go through the songs you know suss them out and everything and then we just went in there and bam 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 we, we got the thing done in like a week you know we had to we didn't really have any time we didn't have okay. the the budget to, to stay out for three guys to stay out in LA, you know, Steve already lived there and then, you know, recording fees and rehearsal fees and all that. But I don't think we needed it because, you know, I've heard the album and I'm really proud of it. It's just, it's amazing. I, I, I mean, I don't listen, I don't listen to it and go, wow, that's a great album for, you know, two weeks or however long it took. Mm-hmm. It's just a great album, I think. So we'll see how it does. The singles that we've had come out, people seem to be digging them. Oh, yeah. I actually listened to uh, all your singles, I believe. Um, you released how many? Was it three or four for your uh, for this new album already? I believe uh, Renegades, obviously, uh, Wild yeah, Oil the... Machine, mm-hmm. and Crawl. Yeah, that's three. Mm-hmm. I think we have another one coming out before, right before the album comes out. Uh, I think. I'm not sure. But I know the album comes out on November 13th. We might right. have one more single come out before then. but So, yeah, less than a month. So what, if anything, has changed since the first time you were with them or since you were last with them? Well, I play a different instrument. That's the main thing. <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> you say and, style uh, or anything else or even just like, the experience you have with each other or anything at all like that? I think I'm a lot more confident now. I didn't allow myself to be confident the first time around because I was around guys who had so much more experience than I did, you know? Two of the guys in the band I was literally listening to when I was a teenager. I mean, they were like, they were molding me into the musician I'd become, you know? It wasn't, mm-hmm. 
So they were like idols, you know, and I was like, for a long time, especially in the recording part of it, because it was recording and touring and stuff like that. Touring, we did so much touring. I got really used to that. And, you know, and, and then I was, I was okay on my, my feet, you know, after a few months. And I was like, all right, I got this. This is great. Because I had never done that much extensive touring before. We were out almost every single weekend. But recording, it was just like, I don't know what to do. You know, it's like, do you want, do you want songs of mine, you know? And they were like, yeah, give us what you got, you know? Do you want full songs, like with lyrics, or are you going to do the lyrics or singing? And so I was always, I didn't know, you know, I didn't want to. It wasn't that I was, like, shy. It was like, I just wanted to do it the right way. Like, I'm always into learning, you know. I, I, if I don't know something, I'm not, a, I'm not shy to say, hey, I, teach me, you know. I, I don't come into something that I don't know, like, acting like I'm, Oh, I know what the fuck's going on. Because I don't. And it's like, I'd rather take a little time to learn what the hell's going on and then come up with that attitude. <laughs> but um, right. so, you know, so we only did one album, or a studio album. We have a live album out too, but the only studio album. So I was, you know, that was just a matter of me learning the ropes kind of thing. And then this time around, I was a little more confident. You know, I, I, I expected this song or two of mine to be on the album you know i expected to have my own say into how my solos were and you know it's just because i was kind of felt i was my own person a little more and i didn't feel like i was stepping on anybody's feet but i was a little more knowledgeable i guess what to expect and what is kind of expected of me so that just all of that together equals like confidence you know and so i was just more confident this time around it was a lot easier, a lot harder, too, in a lot of ways. The biggest thing was I'm playing lead guitar now, you know, um, not saying that bass is, is a simple instrument, uh, but it's just people notice the guitar more, obviously, you know, like singing, right. too. And then, you know, being the, you know, the, the other guitar player and the other LA Guns, which that's a whole other story, uh, is, you know, kind of a big deal it's like I, I knew there would be like comparisons but I didn't let that bother me you know so I didn't try to sound like him I tried to you know throw a few curveballs I didn't I didn't come out of the gate like flying on the guitar and everything like I thought would be the most obvious thing in fact you know the first single from the album was uh, crawl and we kind of knew that was going to be the first single you're making an album you kind of just hear songs and you go everybody kind of just knows it's just like eh, that's the first single right there we, we, we kind of all, all knew that and so i had like this you know decision i was like wow i gotta really i gotta really show everybody that i can play guitar and then i was kind of i was kind of trying to come up with all these guitar solos and everything and i was like you know what i, I don't have to show anybody anything i said i'm going to do the exact opposite I'm not going to have any guitar. I mean, there's like a, there's a, there's a whiff of a guitar solo on there, but basically there's nothing. And it made sense because the song crawl, it just has this kind of vibe to it. And I was finding when I was doing all these, trying to show off, it just didn't fit. And then when right. I kind of, I played more like to a soundtrack or something. In fact, it reminded me of, uh, this, uh, 
grindhouse movie called Death Planet, I think, or something. It was like uh, with Kurt Russell. And the guy that directed the film wrote the music for it, too. And that was the vibe I tried to give off on the, I guess you call it a solo. And I liked it. It was like, because I knew people would, like, listen to it. they go, okay, let's hear what this guy got. And then I go, what the hell was that? You know, so it was kind of a little uh, sleight of hand on my part. They couldn't really put me down. They couldn't really critique me because I didn't give them anything to critique. So, <laughs> um, and I just think it made kind of sense that way. Just pivoting for a second, I did yeah. want to talk about you a little bit more. So what are, what are some of your greatest memories as a musician? Whether that's like your favorite uh, well, bands you toured with or played with or meeting somebody you never thought yeah. you would because you looked up to them so much when you were younger or just anything at all like that. Well, you know, a big thing is playing the strip for the first time, you know, when I was a teenager, playing the Roxy. I can remember, I can remember that day vividly. That was such a huge thing for me. I had like this little Toyota pickup truck and every, the day everything was going wrong and I'm driving through the canyon from the valley to Hollywood. You can either take the freeway around or you take the canyon and I decided to take the canyon. And when you're taking the canyon, there's no, no gas stations or anything. And I remember I'm driving there and I look at my gas tank and it's on empty. And I'm just like, if I fucking run out of, worst place in the world to run out of gas, the canyon. I mean, you're screwed. You're just, you're, you're totally screwed. You have to, first of all, you're either going straight up or you're going straight down. And so you got to find somewhere to park in some weird way. And then you're going to have, I said, I, I, I'm not, I, this is what's going to happen. I'm going to run out of gas. I'm not going to make this gig, you know? And so I had that going on. I finally, I did make it obviously. And then uh, I can just remember loading in and I just remember thinking this is the beginning of something. It's like, this is not just a backyard party. This is like a, a real gig, you know? just remember everything i remember the sound guy going wow that's the sound guy you know I'd, always, I, I'd been to like i'd seen bands play so i knew what to expect you know I, i'd known bands that had played but i it was like now it's happening to me now i'm on stage you know and then i can remember going upstairs and the, there was a couple bands on before us and you're able at the roxy you were able to look out through this little secret hole that nobody could see where you were you could see the stage you could see the crowd and everything like that and i could see the crowd filling up and that was a really special memory that and then you know obviously joining la guns that's huge that's mm -hmm. that kind of like legitimized my career in a way although i i feel if you're just a musician um no matter what as long as you give it your best whatever height or however high or however high you don't ascend to your you, everybody has a peak and as long as you've given it your best shot you know that should be a validation enough for you but there are things that we're like you know just being human beings we like to look at things like being you know being in a national act or making an album kind of like goals you know so that yeah. was a big goal for me to like wow i, I made it into a, a real band you know that where we could literally we could play czechoslovakia and have people going crazy over us. So that was kind of, uh, that was like a big check mark for me. It was almost like, it was kind of like, it sounds kind of cheesy, but it's like, I could die now. And I, it's like, oh, at least I did this, you know, at least I toured the world. And I, that was a big thing for me, you know, mm -hmm. not saying I would have been depressed if I didn't, but it, it definitely was a, a very nice thing. Do you have any favorite places to play like different countries or anything? You know, uh, Scandinavia is really cool. 
when we were playing it, maybe I don't know how it is now, but when we were playing it, like Finland and uh, all, all around there, uh, what am I thinking, like Sweden or whatever, mm-hmm. when we were playing there, I don't know if it was just a thing that was going on there or they're always like this, but there was a huge metal revival, like 80s metal. And there was like, you know, people from 18 years, 18 years old to my age, just everybody was into metal. And I mean, there was these kids in their 20s that were dressed in like we dressed in the 80s and with their hair like Aquanet. <laughs> and it was like, nice. is this supposed to be like some like, what is this like a Halloween thing? And they're going, no, nah, this is the way we are. This is, we love the 80s. And I was like, wow, this is fucking amazing. So yeah, you, you always want to feel you're sort of relevant. You know what I mean? And, and I guess we kind of put a little uh, stock in like what the younger crowd thinks, you know? Um, mm-hmm. So, and to see that they were totally getting it and knew exactly what was going on. It was like, wow, this is, this is cool. It's like, you know, I haven't missed the train completely, you know? So that's cool. I liked playing there for that reason. Uh, I like South America too, cause they go nuts. They go completely bonkers. And that, you know, I like crowds that go crazy like that. You know, growing up in LA, all my first gigs, there was a lot, at the beginning with the strip, everybody was going crazy, but there was a lot of like arms folded kind of attitude. Like people have seen everything, you know, what are you going to show us? So I got a lot of that too. So whenever I see crowds just going nuts, I go, I I love this, you know, um, the Midwest is still pretty much like that for America though. So I like the Midwest a lot too. I love the Midwest to tell you the truth. They're just great people out there. Just really love music, you know? They're just like lifelong fans and they just want to rock. And that's what you want when you play a show, you know, it's, you just want to play for people who want to, who, who love that kind of entertainment. It's like some people love going to movies, you know, some people love going to, uh, I don't know, musicals or, or operas or plays. Or, and so you want people there that really love being there. So those are the places in the world, Midwest, Scandinavia, Latin America, but everywhere, you know, it, it's cool. I'm not putting down any place. I, I love playing everywhere, but there's just certain places that have like interesting memories that make you go, wow, this is a great show. And we played also out in Sweden. It was a big show for me. I remember we played Sweden Fest with Alice Cooper and played right before Alice Cooper and Wasp. And we played right before them. And that was like huge. That was like, probably my biggest show i think i played so what do you think happened with uh everybody from the 80s with all the hair metal and all the glam and all the makeup and all the really amazing shows what happened from then to now because obviously now there's not that many people that do the hair anymore um there's still some good performances out there but appearance wise it's really lacking um so what what do you think happened And, and do you think that will come back soon to where people actually start doing the hair again and you know like caring more about their appearance rather than just going on stage and, you know, in jeans and a t-shirt. Yeah. Well, you know, a lot of, a lot of the people lost their hair. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, I'm not putting it down or anything. I mean, you, you can wear a wig. There's nothing wrong with that. Uh, and some do, you know? Uh, so I know what you're talking about though, but, but literally, you no, know, people did get older, you know? And I, I think a lot of people grew out of that. You know, like uh, probably also, you know, fitness wise, 
you know, you look a lot cooler in spandex when you're 21 and thin. <laughs> then you, you know what I mean? So that has a lot to do with it. But that being said, there's always a cool way to look. I think in most cases, if not all cases, if you tried to dress like you're 21 when you're like 41 or older or something, that could run into problems, you know. And who does that anyways? There, there, there's no band, even the greatest bands don't never dressed the same as they always did so but you know that being said you, there's still cool ways you could dress and i know what you're talking about like it seemed like a lot of bands kind of gave up on that uh i i think maybe um just i didn't make it in the 80s so i don't know what they're going through but i know even on a small level like i was the 90s just kind of like really did a backlash on the 80s and i think that affected the way they think about the eighties. And I think it, it, it just like a lot of people went, I just want to forget that the way I look it was made so much fun of or something like that. Or I don't think that as much as all of a sudden, none of us could get record deals. If we even looked anything like the eighties or, or sounded anything like the eighties. And so it was almost like a survival thing. You know, I remember when the nineties happened, I had the I had the Ibanez guitar, the pointy neck with the crazy neon red color and everything like that, uh, whammy bar, the whole thing. And I remember I was trying out for bands, and I remember this one band I tried out for. They were, you know, they sounded modern to me back then. They didn't sound like Motley Crue, you know. They sounded like what I, you know, was like grunge or it ended up being grunge. And I was like, this is cool, you know. Um, I, I wasn't a big fan of it, but I was willing to like try to be in a band. And I remember one band, <laughs> I, I came out to audition for them and I was getting along with the guys and everything. It was cool. They, they seemed like cool guys. And I took out my guitar and the singer just looked at the guitar and he goes, you know, there's really even no reason to rehearse or to audition. <laughs> and I was like, oh, wow. and like, and I, yeah, and I didn't realize because I was kind of a little uh, naive to the whole situation. And then after that, I was like, wow, there, there really is a big shift going on like that. And so, uh, and then I saw it and then I kind of, I was just true to myself and I kind of got out of music because I couldn't find any bands that I liked because it's a lot of it just seemed real boring to me. Um, you know, after you, after you watch Molly Crew and Kiss and all that kind of stuff, to be expected to come out, not even in stylish Levi's, but like just baggy Levi's with like a, a black concert shirt on or something like that. It was like, I just didn't want to go out on stage looking like that, you know? Um, mm. I was I was okay, you know, I, I mean, I understood. I could see when the 90s happened, you look back and you go, wow, everybody was just going so crazy. But I still love that, you know? Um, but it was like kind of cool. You got, you know, maybe we should tone it all down a little bit, you know, and I wasn't even, I wasn't any crazy, crazy look or anything like that, but I was around people that were and like, you know, I'd, I'd tease my hair up and stuff like that. And so it was kind of a cool thing, the nineties, because you, you taught you how to tone down a little bit, but then still keep your style. Um, and, but that took a few years, you know, so I kind of gave up music for a few years, actually. I, well, I gave up rock and then, uh, started going to college taking music in college i did and then i started taking some acting classes and 
art classes. I just kind of hung around the art section of the college, I was the community college. And I did that for like about four years, man. I just, I got a college grant, moved in with some chick and I just, uh, you know, and she had a job. So I was still doing the whole musician thing, live, living off the chick, <laughs> that kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. And uh, she was cool with it, you know? Uh, I mean, I was, you know, I was making enough to where I could help out a little bit, but I definitely couldn't do it on my own. But I was able to just immerse myself in college, you know, the arts, so to speak. I didn't take like English classes. I took like a couple or something. I didn't take any of the, the, the standard classes. I just would just take all the music, art and acting classes and stuff like that. It was pretty cool. I did want to ask you that question because a lot of the bands that I've seen, especially like the newer bands that have come out um, that are in their 20s or early 30s or whatever it is, it seems like it's so rare now to come across a band that actually has that awesome appearance where like it amazes you and you want to be like, man, you know, they're awesome to see. They're, they have a better appearance. They care about their theatrics, you know, the performance of it all. Yeah, um, it, it's so rare to see that now, um, which is why I'm kind of sad that I didn't grow up in the 80s myself. But right. um, has are there any modern bands that have caught your attention today? Yeah, I mean, you know, what's so weird. Modern changes so quick. I can't believe it's 2020 already. That means like 2000 was 20 years ago, which blows my mind. Uh, yeah. 2010 was 10 years ago, man. That's insane. So, you know, um, like... I don't know if I know any bands like right now that are just like a year old or something. Um, I try to, I don't try to keep up my modern music, but I just do listen to Spotify helps a lot uh, because you can hear a lot of stuff that I know Spotify, a lot of people hate it, but it's, it's a really cool tool man, to keep up on stuff. And, and also um, it has a lot of, different purposes like I, I play in a lot of cover bands so i have to learn a billion songs i mm -hmm. can't be buying cds off of every song you know it's like so but uh, as far as new bands i mean i don't want to date myself it's going to sound like they're, they're they're not new but uh w one of the coolest bands i think of the 2000s well i like bands like strokes you know i mean i don't even know if they're still around anymore that was they were new at one point um, you know, that bands like that, that kind of have that kind of punk kind of sound. I think that's the cool sound of the 2000s. There's a couple bands, I can't think of their names, but they had, uh, they had a cool 80s metal sound. Uh, I think one was from Sweden. Their name escapes me right now. But there were a couple bands like that. I'm not into, I'm not into the death metal, new metal kind of stuff. Yeah, I remember that was another thing that happened when, you know, the 80s glam thing, you either went grunge or you went fucking heavy, you know, and I was like, I wasn't into either of that, I, you know, I always liked song bands that had ballads, you know, like sappy ballads, the chicks dug, you know, and uh, melodic stuff. Like, I remember, like, in the 90s, like, a lot of stuff that I did like was coming from England. Like, I liked Blur and Oasis and mm. uh, that kind of stuff. And I remember I loved Blur for so long, and I still do. But it was like, I, I, I hadn't seen them. I never saw them live or anything. Then when I finally did, I was kind of like, nothing against them. I mean, but I was like, these guys don't sound anything like, they don't look anything like they sound. I thought they were going to look a lot cooler than they do. I mean, I, I think that's a compliment to them. I, I think they, they kind of wanted to look kind of nerdy, kind of Weezer or something like that. And I right. was like, it, it's kind of weird 
like have you ever heard of the libertines i haven't no yeah that's probably my favorite band uh i was gonna say the strokes but i i think i like the libertines because they're a little more rare and they're just great they were had one of their albums were uh was uh recorded produced by uh one of the guys from the clash mm. and they just got that kind of modern sound again i don't know when the last time they came out with an album was but it was probably 2010 or 12 which is still new to me i guess um what was the other band that came out i thought they were kind of cool with a, a thing called love uh the darkness that was they were cool mm, right I was never into like Foo Fighters or anything. They're great. Dave Grohl is amazing. I'm not saying he's not, but I just, you know, I was always into more glamier kind of stuff. I like listening to, you know, you're making me want to listen to a lot more uh, <laughs> modern music so I can get my, get back into things. You know, maybe that's what I need to do. Uh, just a couple more things before we start wrapping it up then. Yeah. You're uh, also a realtor as well making you one of the very few realtors who look the way you do. Uh, how has that been going for you? And have you had a, what type of problems have you had in that industry? If any, I think there's a few other people that just don't come out and say it, but a lot of people, you got to make your money some way, man. And, and uh, you know, it's really chill with me. I, I'm not what's cool about how I do real estate. I'm not like I go into work every day and, you know, put on a suit or anything like that. I'm just like, the way I got into it was I was playing with this drummer. He said, you got a good voice, man. You ever get into like selling or something like that? And I said, you know, I, I did some telemarketing at one point, you know, just uh, just trying to make cool extra bucks. He said, you do good at it? And I said, yeah, I, I mean, I'd make sales, you know. He goes, dude, I, I got into real estate, man, and I made a huge chunk of money. He says, I'm not in it anymore. But the guy that I was working for, He's like this cool cat. He's a bass player. He's makes tons of money at it. He's got his own team. He's been doing it for like 30 years. I think I introduced myself and he dug me. He said, just get your license. So I just went to school real quick, got the license. Uh, I think I barely passed, but I did. <laughs> but um, <laughs> but what I did, I just luckily, um, it was just at the right time. I wasn't doing anything and I just studied every day. And like, I, it took me about three weeks and then I just went in, took the classes and just, I passed the test. And so, you know, I'm with this guy and, and he tells me, man, you don't have to do any, just, just bring me clients, man. Just, you know, I'll help you. So it's like, I'm learning constantly, but I'm on a team that knows everything. So I can tell everybody, you know, Hey, I'm, I know I'm the rock star realtor and it's all like kind of like a, like a gas or whatever. It's kind of cool. But I really know my shit. I mean, not me personally, but my team who works with me every step of the way knows their shit. It's a, you know, we're at a major company. So, you know, I, I, I'm able to bring in people from, you know, fans or uh, fellow musicians, you know, who I like to think that they trust me a little more than, you know, than someone else they don't know that maybe is just trying to make some money off them. You know, and uh, like if they're selling, then I can steer them in the right direction. You know, it's a little it makes it a little more comfortable, you know. So, you know, and, and, and I love one thing from going to college and getting into art. You know, I was really into architecture. I was wanting to pursue that almost for a little bit during the 90s. So I love going to houses and checking them out. You know, I'm able to go like to these really nice houses and just, you know, just any house really because I get to find out 
oh, you know, this is the way they were doing things in the 70s, how Vegas, you know, these are the architects. And so I, I kind of get a kick off of it, tell you the truth. Um, mm -hmm. And I like being around people. So it's, you know, it's all good. Helping people out, making some extra money. And then uh, it doesn't, doesn't affect my rock career one bit, you know. Yeah, man, I love it because, uh, I mean, you know, obviously you have long hair. And so when people see you, you don't have that clean cut appearance. And I, I like that, actually. So because I actually plan on buying a house within the next year. So obviously yeah, I'm going to, to you. Come to yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I mean, that's that's one of my main things. It's um, I believe that, uh, you know, any job they shouldn't hold. You know, if, if you're a guy who has long hair or whatever it is, they shouldn't hold that against you. Because yeah. I've had my share of problems with that. Like I actually applied for a job. Um, you know, probably about a year or so ago. And I forgot they still did that. Like, oh, we have to cut your hair if you want to work for us. And I'm like, no, I'm not. I'm not doing that. Like, because I did right. that one time before. And yeah, I'm like, no, I, I regretted it instantly the second of I did course. it. So, <laughs> so yeah, but, You've been but a couple more. Yes, yes. A couple more things about you. Um, you're really fond of baseball. Yeah. What, what, uh, what's your favorite team? Well, the Dodgers, man, all the way. Nice. They're going okay. to the World Series. Ridiculous, yeah, uh, man. Number seven. You know, Houston Astros just lost, and they've won, yeah. uh, you know, the past whatever. So I, I was kind of <laughs> upset about that. But but uh, other than that, you said uh, the greatest rock and roll band of all time is Rolling Stones. Do you still stand by that, or have you changed that since? No, I still stand by that, man. <laughs> all right. And uh, a couple more I, things. I, I was thinking – you know what I really do because there's a lot of I'll wake up every day and I'll be more in a, a certain whatever mode. But I think I think with the Stones I can that just is so they are. We have to put it on. We have to label somebody with it, and it might as well be the Stones. They're still around, dude. I mean, yeah. and they were around before all of us were. Man, they were around mm -hmm. at the beginning, and they just deserve that moniker more than anybody. And they just really do. I mean, you put on like Gimme Shelter or something. It's just like, fuck. Was, I wish I could write a song like that. Damn. That's, that's the ultimate to write something that powerful with, with that little bit they do. There's just three chords that they keep going over and over and over again on there. It's just like it's all they need. So yeah. Mick Jagger, man. He's the ultimate. So what are some things from the 70s that should be brought back today, whether that's, I mean, the 80s, whether that's music, toys, dances, inventions? What is the new generation missing out on? What should be brought back today? Well, you know, that, you know that's funny because I've talked about this. You know, whenever, you know, things do come back. And uh, mm. I find uh, sometimes it comes back, like as far as fashion and shit like that, almost even better because you're able to look at the bat. You're able to look like it say something like the seventies or the eighties and go, okay, that was cool, but that was ridiculous. <laughs> you know what I mean? So you're able right. to like cut away all the ridiculous, like, okay, that just looks foolish. You know, I mean, like, uh, like the, uh, what is that? What was that hairstyle in the eighties? Uh, the mullet, you know, like, like all that was going on at the same time. I mean, it wasn't just Motley Crue. There was a lot of people who didn't know what, you know, everybody was kind of trying to figure out what was the next big thing. You know, we all like kind of romanticize our past and say it was all great, but there was a lot of, there was a lot of, you know, as cool as the eighties were, there was a lot of uh, cringe, cringy stuff there. And so when you're able to look back and you go, okay, I'll keep that, 
you know, uh, um, but I'll definitely get rid of that. Uh, I'll definitely get rid of the uh, checkered spandex, for instance, or something, you know, um, checkerboard spandex. But maybe, but the tight leather, that's still cool, as long as you're yes. in shape and stuff. You know what I mean? That's cool. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> you know, that's still badass, as long as you don't have a, you know, a, a, a big... Coors Light uh, belt buckle or something. I don't know. You know, it just, you're able to like look back and take the best parts of it. So, you know, I know a lot of what I, what I, what I miss about the eighties or even the seventies, you know, is stuff that's just personal to me just because I was a kid, you know, mm -hmm. uh, record players, records. That's huge, man. That's, I, I still haven't listened to music. Like I've listened to it since I listened to albums. Now, I don't know if that's because I was a kid when I was listening to albums or because there is something special about it. But I think there is because I, I'll talk to a lot of, you know, teenagers or, you know, people in their 20s today and they'll go, wow, you know, I just got vinyl, you know, they call it like I still call it a record. It's just a record. But I guess we call it vinyl nowadays. Man, I listen to vinyl now and it's so cool putting it on an album and, you know, and I'm like, yeah, it is. You stare at the album cover. So I think there is something about it, you know. That's one thing I bring back. I think there's like a charm to original stuff. Uh, I'm same with my amps. I like my amps tube. I like them. Um, I like all I, all the effects pedals. I don't have a lot, but what I do is exactly kind of what I used in the '80s. I got an old delay pedal, an old chorus pedal. A lot of people don't even use chorus anymore. I'll put a little on sometimes there. And there's just something that's uh, real or charming or something about original ways that the computer generation or whatever this is called right now just kind of lacks. I'm not saying it's right. a bad thing. It's good, you know, you've got to progress. You're always going to lose something. You know, I'm sure when cars came out, there was a bunch of people who said, yeah, cars are cool, but nothing like riding a horse, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So the, the last thing is, uh, yeah. I got I got this from your Facebook. Some of your favorite movies, and this, this is just so people get to know you a bit more. Um, oh, cool. I can't said, even remember what I put. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I wrote it down. I put uh, uh, Rocky, uh, The Good, The Bad, yeah. and The Ugly, Star Wars, Empire Strikes Back, Saturday Night Fever, Shampoo, uh, Breathless. Um, are those still your favorite movies, or have they changed since then? You know, uh I remember, I remember that post, man. Uh, mm -hmm. Those were like uh, movies that had like father figures to me because I didn't. Right. Uh, I, I just grew up with a single mom. That was that post was like when I realized like a lot of my favorite movies. They, these were like my father figures, like Clint Eastwood or Sylvester Stallone, um, Warren Beatty, Richard Gere. Those are all like these strong, you know, macho or sex, you know, kind of guys women dug and men wanted to be and so that's a big part those that is i don't know it's probably because they're like a, they were like father figures to me that's why they were big movies to me um but that's i do like those kind of movies so i would say those are still my favorite movies yeah i would um and those are movies that a lot of those movies are movies that people know but I, I, I'm, a, I'm, I'm a huge movie aficionado kind of guy. I, I love a lot of rare movies. I, like, I love a lot of B-movies from the 60s and 70s especially. Um, a lot of uh, foreign films, like Italian and French. I'm really into spaghetti westerns, mm. which are kind of like Italian 
uh, westerns that came out in the 60s and the 70s, mm-hmm. and they're just so badass. Um, also, a lot of the Italian horror movies that came out at the same time. What they would do, The Exorcist would come out like in the 70s, and then they would just, in Italy especially, they were, a whole bunch of directors would just basically just rip off The Exorcist and just make tons of movies based on it. And at, when they came out, everybody just thought, oh, these are just ripoffs. But as time has went on, people have started looking back and go, you know what? This was like a really cool film, though. And they are. They're just, they're, they're really creepy. I love, uh, my girl, she's a huge uh, horror movie fanatic. And she, I, I, you know, I was always kind of like into the movies like, that I said I was and like the westerns and stuff like that. She, and I always liked horror movies, but she really got me into horror movies. And then when I was making the album, Kurt, my singer, who's also into uh, horror movies, he told me about this uh, this uh, thing called Shudder. Have you ever heard of Shudder? I have. I, I'm, I think I've seen it, but I can't yeah. remember what it's about. It's a it's a horror movie app. It just, it, right. It's like Netflix, but for horror movies. So me and my girl have just watched hundreds of movies on that thing. And uh, I just got this new projector. It's like a whole, it's like a movie theater at your house. It's killer. Uh, it's like 100 inches. And uh, I'm able to do DVDs. I'm trying to figure out how to get my computer so we can watch some Shutter on it. Man, that would be awesome. So nice. we, we just go out on the balcony and watch movies all night. It's great. Should get yeah, one. That's yeah, hell yeah. <laughs> projectors are awesome. They're like they're like they're like record players for movies. It's like mm-hmm. I, I like I'm so more addicted to movies now that I got this projector. It's it's just awesome. I, like I watching a movie on a TV is just like so dead to me now it's like i have to use this projector so I killer <laughs> i definitely will but uh other than that that's about the end of the episode do you have any final thoughts and i'll uh, uh real quick before we do uh yeah. la guns renegade new album is coming out november 13th which is yes. uh friday the 13th i believe correct totally why you you know it's gonna happen come on yes now. sir all right, so when can we expect you again on tour? Uh, obviously, uh, I believe the rest of this year is probably not going to happen, but do you see a projected date or maybe an estimated? Well, I don't tour? have the dates in front of me, but we do have dates scheduled already for the beginning of next year. Mm-hmm. And I think some are even being uh, uh, publicized, you know, so it's like they're already selling tickets for some shows. Uh, just uh, national, nothing international right now. But um, I think there's some on the East Coast, a couple of Midwest or something like that. I'm not sure. So I'm, uh, I'm hoping by March, the latest, we'll be back out. And then, uh, and then hopefully we'll just get back to normal, man, and, you know, living our lives again. This just really sucks what's going on. Um, we only get one time to live, man. And, mm-hmm. you, know, you know, I hope everybody the best. I wish everybody the best. I want everybody to be safe. Uh, you know, wear your mask or, or, or do what you, you know, just be kind to other people. And, you know, I don't always agree with everything, but I always agree to do, you know, to try to work with people and try to spread the love, I guess, or something, you know, and be cool with people. And uh, hopefully we can all be cool and, and get through this and then get on to, you know, having, having fun like we used to, you know. Yes sounds great man all right scott thank you for doing this man i loved it thank you for coming on yeah all right i'll talk to you later all right take care everybody hope you enjoyed this episode and uh take care